Welcome back to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And Garrett, we can start today. Of course, we have a bunch of games that we went to to talk about, but we will start with my first ever Manchester City away game at the Molyneux against Wolves, and it was a very easy win, wasn't it? 3-0 started out amazingly with Grealish scoring within the first minute. Obviously, all the Wolves fans hate him from being a Villa player in the past. Um, But yeah, just started out very well, and then Holland got uh, his first goal from outside the box. With, you know, he scored a ton of them. First one from outside of the box. And, and it was on his weak foot as well. It right? was, yeah. exactly. Uh, 16th minute, that one. And then, of course, the moment of the game it, in the first half, it was Nathan Collins getting a sent off for a stonewall red card, kicking Jack Grealish in the chest. Um, he, he did complain about it. He did try and argue it. But now he knew though. Like when I, at first, I looked like he was complaining, but when I watched the replay back, mm-hmm. he could tell immediately. Like he got the red, and like he argued for a second. And he's like, "Yeah, okay." Like, yeah, yeah, because he did. Like ask, he he knew what he did. No, it was it was very clear. He kicked Grealish in the chest. It was you know way higher than your foot should ever be. But he did obviously know it because after the game, he went up to he waited for, for Grealish to you know celebrate and do all of his post game interviews that he had to do. Waited about twenty five minutes just so that he could go and apologize to Grealish after the game. Who obviously. Yeah, fair play to him. Obviously, Grealish accepted the apology. So, young player, made a mistake, obviously, but went and apologized. Class move there. Fair play to him. Um, And, you know, it was Wolves in the second half down a man who really started to uh, control the game for the first, you know, 20, 25 minutes of the second half. City were kind of all over the place. I was shocked, you know, when when Wolves went down to 10 men, we were like, oh, City will probably score again before halftime. They didn't. Mm. And then it was a lackadaisical start to the second half, as you say. I mean, it was just really not what we were expecting. But then I, I won't a say... A triple change from Pep. Yeah, d- triple change from Pep. And then I wouldn't say Foden's goal was against the run of play. No, no. But, yeah. but it definitely, you know, City got a bit more control and then got the goal. Right. And that really put the game to bed. Not that Wolves really had much of a chance because no. other than the fact that, you know, they were controlling the game and they were forcing City to turn the ball over a lot. It's not like they really generated many quality opportunities anyway so yeah you know Foden that that goal was just quality the interchange between De Bruyne Hollins um um, and then back to De Bruyne whips it in Foden cheeky finish and uh yeah City deserving winners on the day for sure yeah absolutely and the atmosphere was fantastic uh even though the Wolves end is the worst away end in the league for sure in the way that they set it up but it was uh still an incredible atmosphere and uh incredible time for me I'm so glad I was able to uh, go to a, a City away game while I'm here because that was my only chance right we, we were away to Villa but we happened to be at the Merseyside Derby a little bit bigger of a, a little game. bit bigger um, but yeah, KDB, as you mentioned, got two two assists, pulling the strings in midfield as he usually does. Um, so good to see him getting back into form because he hasn't been necessarily that great this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, City looks great. I, I, I mean, Holland, man. The dude, oh, what, like, what can robot, we say man. about Holland? He's now scored the most goals. Or sorry, not the most. Well, I mean, probably that as well. But um, <laughs> the stat I was thinking of is that he's the first Premier League player to score in his first four consecutive away matches that's yeah and and then but he is 
on ridiculous pace at the moment. And in all competitions, I think it's it's 14 goals in all competitions thus far. No, I think he's on pace to score. Like if, if, obviously, it's not realistic to think he's going to keep up that pace because it's just impossible. But I think he would be on track to score like 99 goals in all competitions this season. How? It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. And then, I mean, and also he's not going to be playing every minute. Right. Exactly. Exactly. exactly season, right. So. We're going to see a lot more rotation once the fixtures start coming thick and heavy during you know, prior to that World Cup and then after the World Cup, obviously, right. because they had to put the World Cup in the middle of the season. But anyway, uh, we can talk about a few other Prem games. Obviously, um, Fulham scoring three goals in six minutes. Mitro, not a part of any of them. Thank you for my FPL. <laughs> uh, but three goals in six minutes to beat Forrest 3-2. Uh, impressive from them. Obviously, Forrest are not very good defensively at all, and that's going to be their problem in staying up. Um, but Fulham looking more and more like a team that could stay up. Oh, no. I, I At this point, I think they they will, to be honest. I mean, they're sitting in sixth place right now, Justin. Obviously, <laughs> that's early days. But, but 11 points through their first seven games back in the league, I think, is way better than what anyone would have expected. And it's not like they've had amazing fixtures right they've done really well against good teams Liverpool they got um, the draw yeah Liverpool they got the draw and I think Marco Silva's doing an excellent job at the moment um so yeah as long as they can they can keep it up I don't see a reason why they wouldn't be able to stay up I think they've made really smart signs I think Jao Paulinho has been a fantastic um player for them in midfield um and yeah so so that banger yeah yeah oh yeah it was an absolute screamer of a finish but forest i'm very concerned about forest justin because yeah. you, you can't be conceding three goals and six like they they have thrown away multiple leads now this yeah. season right yeah. and and they just are conceding for fun and, and when you're playing against another uh, you know a for a another promoted team your right. fellow promoted team right? right and and that's the kind of defensive performance you put out you know, when they are playing against, you know, other teams who is like this whole league top to bottom is so strong at the moment. I just don't see, despite them signing two starting 11s, that they're <laughs> going to be able to turn it around in time to get themselves out of relegation. It is about that gelling, though, right? Because when you sign two new starting 11s, when you sign, you know, basically an entire new team. Right you have to be able to gel and it's not going to necessarily gel within those first few weeks. And so maybe they, that can start to happen. But I think it, the, what worries me is the center backs, right? They did bring in Willie Bali, who has, is a Premier League experienced center back. But as a, if you're playing a back three, you need experienced center backs. And other than that, it, it worries me. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a lot of the signings were made almost just for the sake of making signings. <laughs> I don't really see the the plan here. I don't see how the signings fit into what Forrest want to do. Some of I think, them, I think, going forward, some of them, a lot of the signings, right? Even Nico Williams as a wing back, Ori as the other side, they make sense. Ren and Lodi, even Ren and Lodi, but it's it's the the three back. You need more center backs to be. Able, I mean, as as a promoted team, what right. you need to be able to do is not concede goals, right? Finding goals is always going to be hard, but I think that Forrest are not even having a problem there. It's the, it's the defensive issue for Forrest. Uh, and for me, that's a center back issue. They didn't sign good enough center backs besides Willie Bali, in my opinion. Right. And then, Justin, we can go over to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Exactly. A guy who, Mitro didn't help my fantasy team, but a player. <laughs> Youngman's son did, yeah. yeah. Man's son, after getting benched by Antonio Conte. Which I still think was the right decision, by the way, but we can talk about that. We will get to minute. that because it wasn't. But he came, comes off the bench and scores a hat trick. 
The first player to do so since who, Garrett? Steven Naismith for Everton in 2015 against Chelsea. There you go. And you don't even need Opta for that. Garrett said it right no, when Son No, as, as soon as Son scored, I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone else has scored a hat-trick off the bench since Steven Naismith. And then I, lo- I was looking on Twitter, yeah. saw like just a minute later, I was like, oh, nope, the answer is no. <laughs> that is the last one. Right. But no, I mean... There's no reason for, first of all, for anybody to be doubting Song Hyung Min after six games of a poor performance. That is just ridiculous. Uh, the doubt I see online and even from the guy sitting next to me about this player. But you cannot bench a world-class player when you only have two in your entire team. I, uh, Justin, I equ- unequivocally disagree with this. Because do you think Sun scores a hat-trick if he starts this game? No, benching Son, benching Son, based on the performances of players in the squad thus far this season, was the right decision. It lit a fire under Hyungman Son, who then that. came on and scored three goals. Hyungman Son does not score a hat trick in this game if he starts it. No, but he still scores. It would have been complete. I don't. I don't agree. Oh with yeah, that. because why is he scoring? No, he because was, he was Dan, getting. No, it's because Danny Ward sucks. It's because Danny Ward sucks. He he, he got. His performances have not been good enough. He needed a wake-up call. Conte benched him and then brings him on, and this is what happens. And that was not a coincidence. This is great management from Antonio Conte. That's what it is. Richarlison and Kulusevski, based on their performances, deserved to start the game, and Son didn't. Now Son comes on. That's a wake-up call. He scores a hat-trick, and he'll start going forward, and the the old Youngman Son is back. I never doubted that. I never said he, you know, oh, he's finished. He's not going to be good anymore. This or that. I said his performances were for were poor because they, they were. empirically were awful. Yeah, he was very bad until this game. That's the only way I can say it. So, but they didn't. He did not need... deserve to start. Uh, but he came off the bench and now has earned his starting spot back. It's as simple as that. You do not bench a world class player for Richarlison or even Kulisevsky. No way. There's no excuse for it. Yes, it worked out in the end, but that's not an excuse for it to be the right decision. No, no I, I see why you disagree with Burhalter because you don't care about form at all. It's just the reputation, apparently, because that's that's what you're going off. Because those first six games, Sun's been playing like a yeah. relegation level player. Right. I I definitely care a lot less about form than a lot of other people do. When you're talking about a world class player. When you're talking about somebody right. that good, if you're talking about average players, and then form is more important to me. But when you're talking about a world-class player like Son Heung-min is, their form is not. You don't. Conte has don't, to put out the team that he thinks is Kane, best equipped Kane to win the starts, game. Kane starts seasons poorly very often. Do you start seeing him? No, bench? Nothing like this. Nothing like this. Son literally hasn't been able to control a ball for the first six games. It seems it, he's been awful. Anyway, Justin, we're we can go move on to another player that we have yeah. some disagreement about, though, because it is. A player, well, I'll, I'll let you say it because we were at the game today. We just got back, obviously. Right. Uh, yeah, Neil Malpai. Yeah. Scores his first Everton goal. Uh, the Toffees beat West Ham 1-0. Huge three points for Frank Lampard. First win of the season. First win of the season. There's been good performances. We've been taught, you know, team have been talking about, you know, we should have more points. We deserve to have gotten better results than we have based on our performances. And although today wasn't the greatest performance, they got a win that they needed. Big three points, moves them well up the table. And it really seems like, you know, we're starting to pick up some momentum, consecutive clean sheets, um, which we had, we did not do all of last season, right? Um, Tarkovsky and Cody have been immense at the back. Fantastic. Ethan Patterson, fantastic again. But back to the original topic, Neil Mopai, I still, like, I don't see how it isn't a good signing because 
really not that expensive, 26 years old, and he is so much better than Solomon Rondon as a back at the DCL, who will be back after the international That was the other break. piece, right? You, you were able to bench DCL, uh, which was very, very helpful. Or not bench him, sorry. Leave, him, him. leave him out yeah. of the squad completely so that you could you know, have him have the next two weeks of the international break to become completely fit because we yeah. know what happened when you rushed him back last season. Didn't yeah. work. So I think that is, is key. And I'm not saying that he's not, I, I was n never saying he was a bad signing for Everton. I just don't think he's a very good player. Um, and so uh, he constantly underperforms his XG, which is key as a striker. I know that he uh, is is better in, in link up play than maybe DCL is, but as far as you know, as far as a backup, he's completely fine. Yeah, well, that's what he was signed to be. Right? No, no I, I understand. He's pushing DCL. No, I just don't think he's a very good player. That's all. I think and he I had think a very he, good. He works today. very hard. He cover. He covers a lot of ground. He's good at pressing, and he is a lot better at link up. And the difference in Everton going forward, these last two games when he's played versus beforehand when we were playing with Rondon or no striker. I mean, basically the same thing, but. You know, I think he is a significant improvement. It's adding depth to the squad. Sorry, I have that a late reaction to that. Yeah, you, it took you a second. <laughs> so I'm playing with playing with Solomon Rondon oh, or playing man. with no striker, which is the same thing. Uh, yeah. But um, either way, Justin, a huge result today. Um, and, and really good, you know, especially going into the international break. You don't want to lose just before the international break because then it's a long two weeks, right? But um, yeah, big win for us. Um, Alex will be brilliant again. What a player. Um, but Very yeah, I'm, I'm buzzing off the back of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but a player that we don't even know really anything about, but he must be good, right? Ethan Noireni? Is that a pronounced? Noireni, I think. Noir All right. The 15-year-old came on for Arsenal today against Brentford after, as they were battering them 3-0, by the way. But the first ever 15-year-old to play in the Premier League just incredible for him and incredible for Arsenal to be investing. I mean, we know they invest in youth, right? That is the Arteta way, but to that's the Arsenal way. It's, it's, you know, their Academy, even the Academy well, players they have that are in the team, you know, we're all, but it hasn't Arteta, been before, but. like in the, in the few years between Wenger and Arteta, it really wasn't the Arsenal way. Right. And so that's why our, our or that's what Arteta has always been saying, right? He wants to give the fans a way to be invested in the club and care about the club again. And that's what the youth does because right. they feel like Bukayo Saka is one of their own. Emil Smith-Rowe is one of their own. And now Ethan Noreni is one of their own. Yeah, and I saw a, a lovely video where at the end of the game, the Arsenal players went over to applaud the away support. And uh, Noreni was just like hanging at the back, like wouldn't go get his credit. And so... Aaron Ramsdale went up and grabbed him and threw him to the front of That's the leadership. pack of Arsenal players awesome. so that he could get his his uh, plaudits from the fans. So that was a that was a fun moment to see. I know good leadership from uh, Aaron Ramsdale for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that North London derby after the international break is going to be insane because two high flying teams. Except that in the UCL, Spurs lost two nil to Sporting in Lisbon. Just what's going on there? I don't know. It, it, there's a lot been said about the Antonio Conte UCL curse, and it might still be a thing. As much as you know, you know, Richarlison saved them in, in match week right, one with right. with the two goals against Marseille. But it's not like they performed well in that game. Like no. they were, they were not very good in that game, and now they have a stinker in Lisbon. Um, so. It's going to be interesting to see how Spurs do in just in, in tournaments in general this year. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Conte's just not really known as a great tournament manager, but I think you know, obviously silverware is 
top of Spurs list other than you know they want to qualify for the Champions League again of course right. but they need to start winning trophies right um, and is Conte the right guy for that I I don't know I we'll think see. I think he is the guy I mean he's he's since uh, besides Mourinho I mean he's the best manager that I can think that Spurs have had and you know that I can I can think of um, but I mean they're not in a very good Champions League group right they're with Sporting Eintracht Frankfurt and Marseille which you know they should be winning that easily winning that group easily like I saw Spurs fans before the before the first match right they were saying we should win all six so yeah that's a, that's that's an overreaction no, but they I, should they should win the group I think so they should they, win they the should group. easily win the group I still think they will um but obviously Sporting are topping the group right now with six points and Spurs on three so I still think they'll they'll win the group though yeah, and then Justin, the biggest game of the match week was at the Allianz Arena, um, where Bayern took on Barcelona, and it's yet another loss <laughs> for the Coolers against Bayern, and um, this time two 0 so not as bad as the last time, right. um, but not quite, not quite, not quite. But um, I mean, Barca, Barca, Bayern just have Barca's number rather, like they, really, they, they really just, do. Like I think the last. I forget how many games it was, but like the the aggregate score is like sixteen to two in their last like four games. Four games. Like, I don't know about four. Probably five, 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 five or six like games. Like, either way, the point is Barcelona cannot beat Bayern, even though they took their best player, and and they still can't win. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, you saw Xavi after the game said Barcelona deserved the win. They on XG, he's right. I'm mean, two to one point seven on XG. They had more shots, more big chances. Uh, more shots on target, I believe. They they dominated statistically, right? More more possession, more everything for Barcelona. Um, they just couldn't finish. And yeah, say, their, their front three had a bad game. Yeah, that bad that, that best player that they took from Bayern didn't really hit Bayern, did he? No. Um, and, and I'll agree with Shav. You know, two like a two 0 loss is a bit of a harsh result. Um, but Definitely do I, I think that. I think a draw would have been fair personally. I don't think Barcelona did enough to to win the game, especially when they were so poor in the final mm-hmm. third, midfield creating these chances, and then Dembele and, and Lewandowski and Rafinha just just spurning them um, and just messing it up essentially. But um, yeah, I, I think Barca are so interesting because I feel like they could either completely bust in the Champions League or they could be legitimate competitors and we just kind of don't know yet yeah i think this performance is a little bit worrying honestly because you you perform well and you can't finish it off and, and get the result which is obviously the big thing in the champions league because res- performances don't always matter as much as results um but speaking of there were there were a lot of interesting results right we talked about uh spurs losing atletico madrid lost to leverkusen uh which puts them you know, in in Europa League spot in third place in that group right now because Bruges absolutely battered Porto 4-0 and that puts them on six points. Leverkusen and Atleti both on three now with Leverkusen obviously ahead on the goal difference. But, I mean, is, is should Atleti be worried? I mean, we both thought they were going to win this group. Yeah, I mean, I think they should, to be honest, because Leverkusen are not a good team at the moment. Right. They are just a spot above the relegation places in Bundesliga right now. They have five points through their first seven games. That mm. is not good no. at all. And obviously, the Bundesliga is a bit insane right now with just kind of the fluctuation going on. But still, the fact of the matter is that Atleti should be winning this game, um, and and they are they didn't. And Atleti mm. in the Europa League would be a weird thing to see, right? Because you're so used to them, oh, 
they get through the group and then, you know, maybe they'll make a little run or maybe they'll get knocked out pretty soon right. in the championship, but they're always out of the group stage. Right. No, I think that, uh, I'm excited for the game after the international break, obviously Atleti against Bruges. I think that'll be very telling of what, how we'll see this group play out. Oh, if Atleti don't win that game, they are mudded. It, it's going to be very interesting because that's going to tell us, I still think Atleti will at least get that second spot, but if they can't win against Bruges, I don't think they're winning the group. Simple no, as, yeah, simple yeah, definitely. And, it, Even well, if they and, get the draw, I don't think they're winning the group um, if they can't beat Bruges. But if, if they, well, I think Bruges could win it at that point, right? With exactly. The that they're playing, exactly. which is that's which is crazy because that's definitely not who I would have predicted to be winning this group. No, me right? neither. Me neither. Um, but then Garrett, another game that we were at at Anfield, it was Joel Matip in the 86th minute. Barely getting over, getting his header over the line, wasn't it? Uh, to find the two-one win over Ajax. Uh, obviously, we were in attendance. What was your thoughts on this one? It was actually the 89th minute, Justin. Oh, was it? It was even later. Yeah. Um, I mean, Liverpool were the better team. Obviously, I, you know, Ajax. They did a reasonable job. They, they, you know, that first chance that they, you know, pretty much the only chance that they had in the first half was through Mohamed Kudush and what a strike that oh, was, by the way. Unsavable. He's a player, man. I'll tell you, we were linked with him. I thought we were going to sign him and then because Ajax sold Anthony, they were like, well, we can't lose both. And now I understand why. Yeah. Because he, he was their best player by a mile. But, you know, Liverpool were territorially dominant. Ajax were just trying to keep them out and hit him on the break. And they did have the big chance for Daily Blind where they could have actually gone up to one. Mm -hmm. But instead, Liverpool got what they probably deserved yeah. with Matip scoring that header. Although, you know, it still wasn't the greatest performance from Liverpool. Like, I, they, in the final third, I thought were still very disappointing. Darwin Nunez came off the bench, didn't really offer anything at all. Oh, I um, thought he would. Too, because it was it was a game that supposedly is meant to right. suit him, right? Where your your Ajax are sitting in a low block and you're just serving balls in and things like that. And supposedly that's what Darwin Nunez is supposed to be good at. He was non-existent. Um, but yeah, I, I think Liverpool deserved the win. It just wasn't fantastic from them in the final third, um, which is why you know they had a, a lot of chances, a lot of shots, but not so many on target and creating, uh, you know, making saves or anything like that. Um, and then elsewhere, Justin, yeah. Juve are just talking about teams who are mudded. Should be worried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, they should be very worried because now they've, you know, they lost against PSG in the first match week. We were there, obviously. And the performance wasn't that bad from them. I, you know, we both expected it to be worse. Um, but now, Justin, they've lost to Benfica, right? So they lost 2-1. Um, it was Milik actually opening the scoring. They had a 1-0 lead after four minutes, and then they conceded uh, to Jean Mario and, and Davineres. They lose 2-1. And now, today in Serie A, they lost 1-0 to Monza. So surely this is the end of the road for Allegri. Sure, he, he was saying, oh, I'm not worried about my job. There's no, like, Juve have to sack him. He's doing a horrible job, point blank and period. Obviously, Juve aren't what they used to be, but with the squad that they have, there's no way that they should be losing to Monza and Benfica in the same week. That's just unacceptable. And on zero points in the group in the UCL, you're right. Allegri has to go. And who's the guy to bring in? Thomas Tuchel. Ooh, that's, oh, I like that, actually. I haven't thought about it. That's a great shout. Yeah. He's the guy. And uh, it's coming from somebody who's not a huge Tuchel fan, obviously. I don't love the way that he plays. Um, I, for, in the Premier League, I don't think it's really effective. In Serie A, I think it will be much more effective, right? It is a league extremely focused on defense and uh, sh defensive shape. And 
that's what Tuchel is. He he sits in a defensive shape. He'll break with his five back and his wing backs hitting down the the wings. Um, I, I think it's the perfect hire for Juve. I really do. Yeah, and speaking of Thomas Tuchel, his replacement, Graham Potter, took his first game in charge of Chelsea um, midweek at home and was unable to win. Yep, he was. Um, it was, obviously, we were at a different match, so we weren't <laughs> able to watch, but going back and looking at you know the, the tactics of that game a little bit, and I, I thought it was uh, really good from Chelsea, actually. Uh, I think we saw a little bit of what Potter can create um, with those wingbacks. And, he, you know, you utilize Sterling as a wingback, right? You know, we see that when you think of that, that's what did he did exactly with Leandro Trossard at Brighton, right? He moved an attacking winger into a wingback position. Um, Sterling ended up getting the goal, obviously, coming on the backside. I mean, it's wingback, but he's pushed very right, high. Right, right, of course, yeah. of course. But he's... It's more almost like a like a left mid in like a 3-5, you know what I'm But he saying. still has his defensive responsibilities. Yeah. So it, it is... It, it's... A Graham Potter wingback, right? And I think it worked out pretty well. Um, you know, there weren't a ton of chances uh, otherwise for uh, Salzburg, but they hit on the one chance that they really had that was good. So that's, you know, it, it, Chelsea, I think, still probably deserved a win. Oh, yeah. They do they dominated the game. Right. I mean, 17 shots, 73% possession. Yeah, I haven't even looked at those stats. I was but, yeah. I, yeah, but they only put four of them on target. Right. Which is only one more than what Salzburg did. So it's the same, but it's the same old story. Chelsea having problems in the final third. Never heard that one before. But, I mean, <laughs> Tuchel's not going to, or Tuchel, Potter's not going to solve that overnight. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to no, take but I, just one game. Oh, all of a sudden, Chelsea are brilliant in the final third when they've been struggling there for a year and a half. You but know? I didn't think I would see Potter uh, Potter's influence that quickly. Um, we thought, you know, he would be similar to what Tuchel is doing and trying to emulate that a little bit with a little bit of tactical tweaks, which, you know, it is similar, obviously just based on formation, but I think uh, we clearly saw Potter's influence on this game, and I think uh, it's only upwards here for Chelsea. I, I really do. And then, Justin, finally, the other game that we were at, of course, at the Etihad, right here. There's your Champions League patch on the kit right there. Um, it was City versus Dortmund. Holland, Gundogan, and Akanji all against their former team. Mm -hmm. Akanji obviously having left them like a week ago, it yeah. feels like. Um, and man, it, it looked like it was going to be a bit of a shock result, right? It was a boring first half. Next oh. to nothing happened. Yep. Um, but then at the beginning of the, of the second half, there's a free kick that comes in, gets recycled to Marco Royce, puts the ball in. Bellingham redirects it. Um, and and Dortmund were were sitting pretty all the way until John Stones had his say. He absolutely did. What an absolute stunner from John Stones! It is reminiscent of Captain Vincent Company. That banger. It just has to be. It's so similar. It's a stretch. No, it's not. Yeah, it Company. is. Because that was literal top bins. This was right next. To, I still don't understand yeah, what Meyer was doing because it's right next to his hand, and he just it was he swerving. almost moved his hand out of the way. It was but he moved his his arm the wrong direction. Like I. Like it's a great hit. It's a great hit, and the power, you know, had a big thing. It should it should have been saved, in my opinion. So you can't complain it. To, compare it to Captain Fantastic because that was literal perfection from Vincent Company. I can compare it, and I will because every single Manchester City fan is the first thing they thought of, it's, including it's, it's, myself. Just because a center back hit a no, good a goal doesn't hit, mean you can compare a it to hit a goal from of that basically level. the same spot. It swerved the same way. Yeah, it wasn't quite in the there's, corner. There's levels to this, man. There That's are all levels. There's yeah, levels. I, I don't disagree with that, but it was. 
similar. It was reminiscent. And you're not going to tell me otherwise. It was, absolutely. But it was it even the goal of the night? I don't know. Because Zhao Cancelo with the Trivella pass to Holland, who put his foot about seven feet in the air. Not only did he make contact with it, but he struck it intentionally into that spot. It was like the outside of his the left foot. I don't, I don't understand how it's physically possible. Genuinely. Foot and then he, he literally bounces off the ground. From, like he falls from like five feet and just bounces up. Like he, and, and starts running to celebrate. I, ridiculous. It was, well, he didn't, he, yeah, I was gonna say he didn't really Yeah, yeah I was gonna say it was more the rest of his team that was celebrating. He, he was a little bit uh, nice to Dortmund there, but you know, it was just ridiculous. I can't decide which goal was better. I'm going to go... F I, I, oh, no, no, no. For me, it's Holland's goal, 100%. Yeah. For me, it's Holland's goal, 100%. Yeah, As I just said, I think the other one... It was a, Again, it was a great strike. I think it was saveable. Where this, the ball from Cancelo, which you know we've, we've seen him do this with the outside I mean, of the... Holland's I, finish was also right by his head. Okay, but from four yards out, yeah, and it yeah, was a, yeah. just a freak acrobatic display. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was insane was that he got on the end of that ball and was able to direct it on goal let alone into the back into the roof of the net even like no mm. that that was a an unbelievable goal and, and like the, the two of them came in four minutes oh right yeah, exactly. so because it was this was really a just flip the game on its head four minutes for city yeah well it was but it, this the chances were coming earlier than that for city they just weren't uh you know it was like a cross came in and it was just off the mark um it's things like that where the it, there may not have been a ton of shots on target, but there were chances coming. Yeah, they were like they were like well, not half chances, but they were nearly moments. We're like, right. Oh, that could have been like you know if the player is a foot right. further or this or that that made the run a half second earlier, and then finally it clicked. Right, and then it it, it came. And if I invite you all to go see my reaction to it on our <laughs> vlog because that was just an unbelievable moment for Holland and and for everybody in attendance. Uh, incredible, incredible performance. Oh, and just quickly on the the topic of the vlogs we vlogged the Wolves City game um, which was the game of the week we talked about earlier right that will be out as well as the Liverpool oh actually game. yeah that will already be out by the time this podcast episode comes out yeah um, no we didn't vlog we didn't vlog Liverpool. yeah no but we vlogged we vlogged City Wolves that'll be out by the time this podcast episode is out so go watch that on our YouTube right. channel right absolutely um, but moving from one of my teams to the other Garrett Los Angeles Football Club clinched first seed in the MLS Western Conference, meaning that they clinched a first round bye in the MLS playoffs, and they clinched a spot in next season's CONCACAF Champions League, um, which they were, by the way, robbed of in their first attempt. So uh, it's very important for them to get back there. Um, and it was, it was courtesy of Austin's tie at home against Nashville. Obviously, that's what put them in. It wasn't even an LAFC result, unfortunately. Right. You don't love that. But that game, by the way, Drewsi and Mukhtar won one, the two MVP candidates. Um, but for LAFC, uh, it, was, it was worrying because of the, the draw in Minnesota, right? Finally, you snapped the four-game losing streak. Uh, but it wasn't good enough to keep them in control in the supporter's shield. And it shifted to Philadelphia, who then had destiny in their hands, until, of course, they went into Atlanta and drew nil-nil with the five stripes and were, were honestly the worst team in that game. Uh, Atlanta were the ones who could have found the win, really. Um, and so that puts it back in LAFC's hands. Three games to go for LAFC, two for Philadelphia, two for Montreal, who are even still in the race, not only in the Eastern Conference, but in the Supporters' Shield. They could win it, theoretically. So which one of those three teams is winning the supporter shield, Garrett. I'm gonna go with Philly. Okay. 
because I just think they have more momentum despite a you know relatively disappointing performance in Atlanta. They have been on fire up until that. They've been scoring goals for fun. Um, I, I just think that they have been the hotter team at the back end of the season. I think that's you know what matters most, especially going into playoffs. But for, for this, I just feel like LAFC can't really get over themselves at the moment. They're having problems. People are doubting what's going on. Big players underperforming. Um, and obviously the, the fixtures are a big deal and I haven't looked at them. Houston, Portland, see that Nashville game on decision day, which you will be at, I believe that's going to be huge because I could easily see LAFC dropping points in that and opening the door for Philly because I think Philly will win out. Um, and, and so, you know, although this is probably a bit against the odds, I think LAFC are probably more likely to win it. I'm going to go for Philly just to play devil's advocate. Cause I think I know what you're going to say, but I could be wrong. No, I think it's. I think I don't think it's uh, very confident in either way. Um, but I will say I think LFC are going to win it. Um, the reason being, uh, Nashville doesn't actually worry me as much as Portland does because Portland is away, um, and they need to win. Right, and they need to win. And L away has been the problem. Right, zero wins, one point in their last five away matches. Uh, that is worrying in itself. But it's worrying for that game at home. The LFC has been the best team in the league, so I think they're going to. Bash Houston, uh, which is today as as we record. Uh, so it'll be it'll already you'll know the result as you're watching. Um, but I think that they should bash Houston by two or three plus goals. And then um, it's Portland that's really going to be the tough one because if they have it in their own hands heading into Nashville, I don't see any way they lose that at home on decision day. But it's about whether it's about whether a draw would be enough. I think which in Portland. No, against Nashville. No, I, I'm not worried about Nashville, honestly. I think Portland is the one that worries me away. Um, it just Portland are close to securing their spot, so hopefully they won't have as much to play for, but they're still going to be very... I mean, they're still going to have everything to play for, I believe, at that point. Yeah, I mean, having the extra game is huge for LAFC, and that's why I think you guys are more likely... Right, to well, it. LAFC are three points back, right? So that's oh, why... Okay, I, right, yeah. So it's... it's but it's that LAFC have the tie break, right? Which right. So it's in, still technically in their hands, right, because, assuming both, you know, because if both teams win out, out LAFC exactly. still gets it. Exactly. Because um, the tie break in MLS, the first tie break is wins, right? Which LAFC are one ahead of Philadelphia on uh, 18, 19 to 18 right now. And the goal difference is actually the second tiebreaker, uh, which Philly are smashing LAFC on, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it should be a you know interesting end to the season, Justin, and you know a lot of storylines with you know seeding and positioning is gonna be a big deal. Locking that one seed and home home field and advantage just, just is the huge. Playoff races are extremely tight as well, especially in that Western yeah. Conference. Yeah, no, but it, but it's also just huge that you guys you've been so bad on the road in the playoffs. You won't have to go on the road, so maybe not maybe in MLS Cup if we can't win Supporter Shield that's why Supporter that, Shield is so that, important that's that's true so yeah. but for one game but the fact that matters well the biggest you know, game isn't it yeah well yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> that's that's why I think Supporter Shield is so big for LAFC to win more so even than it is for Philadelphia because they need that home field in MLS Cup because I think if you go to Philadelphia it's much much more difficult well yeah oh but I could say the same thing about Philadelphia because they don't want to go to LA but they're a much better team on the road it's you they're, don't but it's still you're the best home team in the league you don't want to go to LA the best road team in the league but you don't want to go to LA it, so yeah I, but I'm not saying so, you want to I'm not saying no you it's want like to. the, the best think, home team in the league versus the best away team in the league but but when you look at the home record versus the away record it's still night and day because playing on the road is so right. hard in this league no I 100 agree I just think the drop off between home and away is bigger for LAFC than it is for Philadelphia. That's all I'm saying. But um, with that, Garrett, we can finish off with our moments of the week. 
Um, we're not going to pick anything that we were at, obviously, but we'll pick some other other things. So what was yours? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest fixtures of the weekend, um, which hasn't gotten too much coverage, was the Revier Derby in Germany. I mean, it's a huge, huge it's game. It's as big as it gets in Germany. It's a huge, huge game. Obviously, Schalke, you know, just coming back up from the second tier. Very glad that they did, by the way, because this yes. is an incredible, historic you fixture. fixture. Absolutely. You have to have this fixture. And, it's you know, just as big as Der Klassiker for oh, Dortmund for, fans. For, for Dortmund and Schalke fans, it's, it's yeah, bigger. It's, it's bigger. It's bigger. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's just, and you can tell that from the scenes in the stadium because oh my goodness you see the, the pictures and the videos I mean it was incredible the yellow, the yellow wall was incredible the Schalke away support they had the flares they all had flags banners I incredible incredible atmosphere for a huge historic fixture which I'm very glad is back this season um, and, and so that was my moment because you know Revere Derby being back and just those incredible scenes and um it was actually Dortmund who ended up winning the game right through a Makoko winner, Later sending on, yeah. the Signal Iduna Park into raptures. Big, big uh, win for them, um, which put them, I, I believe, top of the Bundesliga at the time, although I think Union Berlin are now top because of Jordan Pifak today. Yeah, I'm not sure if they were ever top, but Union Berlin, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure. I think Dortmund were after that win, but... Either way, uh, big win for Dortmund, and yeah, Signal Iduna Park, that yellow wall especially... Uh, during the Riviera Derby is just absolutely incredible uh, on my bucket list to get to that. Stadium. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping we could get to it during this trip, but it's been a little too packed. So uh, and the, the fixtures didn't quite go our way for champions. Right, exactly. Stuff, yeah. If if they would have canceled this weekend's fixtures <laughs> instead of last weekend's fixtures, then I would have been in Germany for this game. Um, but yeah, no, an incredible atmosphere there and. Uh, one of the best atmospheres in the world, undoubtedly. Yeah, what was your moment of the week, Justin? Mine had to be in the Champions League when the Sevilla fans traveled all the way to Copenhagen to f take on FC Copenhagen, obviously. And the FC Copenhagen uh, stewards and just the club gave everyone in the Sevilla away section free beers, which is fantastic. That's just incredible sportsmanship, a wonderful gesture for... Uh, you know they've traveled very far. Yeah, from I mean, and which is why there weren't like there weren't that many Sevilla right, fans. Right, exactly. But you know that those are the creme de la creme of Sevilla fans, and that's why Copenhagen were and know, that is gifted uh, that. Yeah, and and that's just pure class. I don't know many clubs in the world that would do that. That's so good gesture, absolutely incredible. Um, but with that, we can finish off this episode and say thank you so much for watching. It will be our last episode until after the international break, so we'll, we'll miss next week. Um, but we'll be back after the international break for all those games. Uh, Manchester Derby. Manchester Derby. and Which we will, will be our game of the week for that episode, right? For the, for the episode two weeks from now. Right, right. We will also be at the England-Germany game at Wembley Stadium during the international break. We will vlog that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible one. So definitely drop a like and subscribe so you can keep up to date with all of our vlogs. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for watching. See you next time.